Hello, hello, and welcome to all of you worms out there for the 13th episode of the Worm Burner Podcast. I'm your host, Justin, and before we get started in today's episode, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash the Worm Burner Podcast, as well as our website, which is the wormburner podcast .captivate.fm. So again, that is the-wormburner-podcast.captivate.fm. So without further ado, we are going to be getting into the wingers and inside forwards when it comes to the left and right attacking midfielders, respectively. Uh, This is going to be a really fun episode. I look forward to it a lot. And as well as talking about the mentality uh, when it comes to American soccer, because I I always want to take uh, each episode and expand a little more on it. And then finally, with our Extra Man Advice of the Week, finishing up on that. So let's go ahead and get started with the episode. All right, so for this week, we are going to be discussing the inside forwards and wingers roles for the left and right attacking midfielders. So when it comes to this specific role, it tends to be a much more aggressive version of uh, a midfielder, obviously with the name implying an attacking midfielder. But um, there needs to be a in-between of being able to come back and defend because I know that when it comes to some formations, the wingers can be a... What's the term I'm looking for? A negative attribute when it comes to a formation because there can be gaps created between the right back and the right atta- right attacking midfielder. And so that is up for the coach to be able to decide, hey, I need to either deploy this person within a, a winger role or uh, within an inside forward role. So he'll be able to make the liberty of that as well. And to be able to realize as a player, like you can't go within these uh, specific parameters during this specific situation because you can create a disadvantage for your player or for your team. I apologize. And so it's one of those things where it's it's a healthy medium of being able to try and find that in-between of what you can and can't do. Um, so the big difference between a winger and a inside forward is probably within the name itself. Uh, wingers tend to stay mo- close to the touchline when it comes to the parameters of the field, whereas in- inside forwards are normally treated as a second and or third forward. Um, or striker. So it really and truly depends on the role that the coach really wants to imply imply when it comes to a specific formation. Uh, I, there are positives and negatives to both, and as well as the even even having the ability to deploy maybe a left attacking midfielder with the winger role or even having a right attacking midfielder with an inside forward role. So maybe even something along the lines of that to allow your team to not be within uh, such a numerical disadvantage when it comes to some defensive plays. Um, so a winger, again, like I had said, stays closer to the edges when it comes to um the pitch and being able to go forward, they utilize the right and or left side respectively when it comes to the uh, right or left attacking midfielder. 
And uh, sometimes when it comes to a ring winger role as well, uh, the let's say for this example that the right attacking midfielder has the ball and the left attacking midfielder doesn't want to be all the way on the opposite side of the pitch. Sometimes what he can do is he can travel inside or maybe even be designated as the inside forward for that specific attack or that specific specific situation. I cannot talk <laughs> uh, for that specific situation, and he is allowed to become that second striker when it uh, when it comes to that specific uh, setting. So again, like I had said, that attacking right midfielder has the ball. Maybe that left attacking midfielder comes within the penalty box. Maybe the coach wants him to stay back a tiny bit towards that left side, just in case if the right attacking midfielder crosses the ball way above the striker's head or way above the forward's head for their team. Uh, he needs a person to collect the ball and to be able to recycle it back to maybe even the midfield or, or maybe even whipping across himself. It, you never know depending on the situation and, and where the opposing players are, but each each one of these ideologies has uh, a positive and a negative. And so the negative within uh, the winger role itself is that it does create a lot of gaps between uh, your de defensive players. And that is where, when it comes to the American mentality, as I was stating at the beginning of the episode, I kind of want to get into a little bit, uh, especially with this specific role, because I see a lot of people when it comes to pickup soccer even as well. I know that it's not one of the most competitive settings, but it people... People have the mentality that when you go into a pickup game that it's not necessarily the most competitive, but you need to be able to have a sense of professionalism of maybe when you have a specific uh, situation, or come back and help defend. Because I know for a fact that when it comes to pickup games, I know that a lot of people don't take them seriously and and. It, to some degree, I take some seriousness with it because you want to become a better player and be going to pick up games that allows you to be that better play, better player and putting yourself in those kind of situations to make yourself better mentally, physically, and just being able to adapt as a player. And I, there were so many times being a pickup player when attackers would not come back and defend and uh, that was one of the main key contributors for me personally wanting to work on my defense because I used to do it a lot. I'll be honest and, and I will throw myself under the bus. But when I went to go play play pickup um, when I used to live in Tallahassee, that was one of the things that I picked up on when I worked in midfield or, or when I played in midfield. And when I played in defense, a lot of the time the attackers did not come back and defend. And that was probably some of the most frustrating things. Again, like I had said, pickup games are a very non-competitive format when it comes to soccer. But you need to have a degree of professionalism of, I mean, if, you're, if your defense needs help, they, you need to be able to come back and help. And, and if not, then try to switch out, make a sub with somebody somebody that can perform that task. And this is this is all about that American mentality of of defense isn't that well received when it comes to the American uh, aspect of soccer. And and this is what I kind of wanted to say as well too. 
I know that there are a lot of people that are like, why are you treating pickup so seriously? But that's where, uh, honestly, that's where the seriousness comes from. If you can't take it seriously in pickup, then why should you be taking it seriously in competitive soccer? That's being able to adapt and to be able to create that mentality of, okay, I need to go forward within this specific time, and maybe I need to drop back and defend during this specific time. It allows you to become more accustomed with the game and with the way that the the game runs it can be a very fast-paced game there were a lot of pickup games that i had where they were super super slow because everyone was so tired everyone had been playing for like two and a half to almost three hours and they were exhausted we were we were all within the realm of we used to not be a, not we weren't playing to the ability that we used to be able to play especially stamina wise and and someone was just so tired that it forces everyone to slow down the game and then there are other times where probably within a span of 5 minutes there's probably maybe 8 to 10 shots on goal and it, it's just it's such a fast paced game sometimes and especially when everyone has so much energy uh, you you have to be able to take it seriously within those parameters of, okay, I want to become a mentally better player, and this is how I need to treat it seriously. At least uh, maybe being hard on yourself on on missing a specific situation. Like don't don't beat yourself up of of in the sense of saying that you suck or like that you aren't a good player because everyone does miss or make those chances and that's what you need to realize is put yourself in those situations more often because nine times out of ten if you put yourself in those situations more of being able to score or being able to pass the ball to your teammate you'll be able to recognize it within those parameters of actually having it happen in a game and so this is why I at least personally take pickup seriously, not to the competitive uh, aspect of putting your 100% all every single second uh, in the sense of like making sure that um, you slide tackle a person. Because I know that even for some <laughs> some organizations I used to play for, slide tackling on pickup soccer, you, you didn't do it. It's like a cardinal sin. You don't do it. It was never written anywhere, but no one did it because it was one of those situations where you can put yourself in a rough situation and uh, or you can put others in danger uh, within a specific setting. And you don't want to do that, especially. And, and that's not what I'm telling people to do either. I want to at least create a professional dialogue of saying, hey, I can take these times and mentally progress as a player within these specific settings. And that's why when it comes to my coaching philosophy, when it comes to the actual aspect of getting players involved within a game, why practice to me should be mostly incorporated of a pray a play practice play method, which is something along the lines, or which is along the lines, sorry, I don't know why I said that, but which is along the lines of being able to have a game where you play, seeing where the players need to adapt mentally and physically, taking drills the very in between this next game and, and 
the and these are actual games as in like a 5v5 7v7 11v11 these are actual games that are being played not like games in the sense of a training method so play practice play so play is that 5v5 7v7 11v11 game or 9v9 game uh, then you have the practice which is you take those skills that they need to improve that you've noticed within the specific game setting uh, adjust drills and being able to see what you need to improve and then play again see if they've been able to learn from those methods being able to actually practice uh, within a game like setting because again this is something to me personally it is very confusing when I see a lot of the European trainings and I see a lot of the well just overall mentality around the world of soccer is Games or practices normally consist of games. They cons they consist of full-fledged 90-minute games. And it's crazy to me how we take all of these we take all of these different pl the pl a plethora of different ideas and we put them into practices. We put them into dribbling drills, we put them into shooting drills, we put them into so-and-so drills to help them within that specific setting of of the uh, field but we would never actually implicate a game at the end of it actually playing a 7v7 a 5v5 a 9v9 or 11v11 game that's that allows the brain to connect the two between uh, the practice of being able to dribble in between cones and the ability to dribble in between people in an actual game. And that's something that, at least within the, within the American mentality, I see it's starting to improve, but we need to actually solidify it. And that was one thing that I made sure when, when we actually, or uh, I, I, uh, made sure and talked to the coach and made sure that we had this more often in our practice settings because we need to have game game like situations where we play 11v11 9v9 and being able to find open space being able to put the shots on target and that's the whole purpose of the trainings to be able to do that and to be able to actually practice a actual game. Um, and if you don't practice an actual an actual game within practice, I I kind of don't see the I kind of don't see the importance when it comes to actually dribbling cones around cones, being able to now unless if this is like a individual training, that is perfectly acceptable. And I can understand that because Let's be honest, it's only one person <laughs> or two people or three people. You can't play a full-fledged game when it comes to that. So personalized trainings or individualized trainings, this is this can be a can be an exception when it comes but when it comes to a full-fledged team practice and all they're practicing is cone drills or possession drills or something like that, that's not necessarily a 100% game-like setting. The only way that at least in my opinion, children and uh, even adults in that instance are able to link those two together is actually having a practice a set a practice session, being able to adjust and to say, let's say a dribbling drill in between cones. Then they are able to take that situation and, and put it into a game, having two three players come at him at the same time within that game setting, and he can dribble around them and then keep going. That's that's in, so important and vital. So I know I got a little off, 
off top or not off topic, but uh, went into a little rant when it comes to that. So back to wingers and inside forwards. So the winger, as I stated, goes more towards the touchline, more towards the sideline of being able to accept the ball and being a possession based of staying within a specific parameter on the side of the pitch and not getting involved, excuse me, within the box. And that is up completely up to the coach. Now for an inside forward, an inside forward is a much more aggressive attacking midfielder when it comes to actually being able to uh, get inside. And, and as the name implies, it's another forward. It's a inside forward. So this is either a second or a third forward within a specific team. And this definitely has a positive when it comes to the mental aspect of it, being able to add an attacker to a specific uh, setting or a specific, excuse me, situation. And that is a very good thing. But the negative trade-off when it comes to that is it does expose teams to uh, a lot more of a counter setting or maybe even uh, if they drift inside, that wing can be exposed. So it, it to me personally, inside forwards can have more of a defensive disadvantage than a uh, attacking advantage, at least in my opinion. Um, that's why when it comes to this specific role, I kind of don't use it too often. I use it sparingly uh, when it comes to the actual mentality of a player. This is why I treat it I train it as an ideology instead of an actual role or an actual position uh, because I don't want my player uh, to have that kind of a mentality when it comes to uh, that whole ordeal of drifting inside and kind of forgetting about that wing or forgetting about that side to defend that side. So uh, when it comes, but it, if it comes down to it being able to actually have an additional attacker uh, for a specific setting or for a specific attack, there's absolutely no reason for a player to not have that in his arsenal, being able to drift inside, being a part, uh, or maybe even a striker right beside uh, the other striker. Uh, so that's something, at least personally, that, that that helps the attacking mentality of the game. And something, again, personally for me, I feel that the American way of soccer can be it can be adapted from all of these other mentalities when it comes to the European game, when it comes to the South American game, when it comes to the African game, and even the Asian game. There is there is different rules, not rules, but different mentalities when it comes to this. And I feel like the American mentality can be something that the world can see and we can actually improve and make better. Uh, we may not ever dominate the world of soccer, but we can put our footprint on the actual sport itself. And that's something uh, I, I want to do. And I definitely feel that the U.S. has the capability of doing. Um, but actually changing the sport and actually changing it into an American sport, I kind of also hope that it never happens. Uh, because I feel like a lot of the American mentality of the sports league of the actual competitions that come down to it uh, a lot of americans feel that it's not very fun it's not very active uh, whereas the rest of the world it it's just as active as it needs to be and so uh let's go ahead and end 
uh, on that for this section, and let's go to the Extra Man Advice of the Week. All right, so for the Extra Man Advice of the Week this week, I wanted to keep it along the lines of something I was talking about within the pickup soccer and having the mentality of having the ability to be hard on yourself and be critical of yourself, but uh, don't try to be perfect. That's something that, at least personally for me, I cannot, (laughs) I have to throw myself under the bus a little bit. I am very critical of myself because I want to be that better player, but there is a sense of uh, not being able to accomplish what you want when it comes to having that mentality. And you shouldn't be a person that has that mentality of uh, being perfect because perfection is something that is extremely hard to do, especially if you make a mistake. And being a soccer player, you can't expect to be perfect. And being harder than the shelf for that one split second, it's okay to, to have that, but don't prolong it into a 20 to 30 minute long uh, just absolute uh, degrading of yourself <laughs> like that's that's not healthy at all like being being able to find that perfect medium uh, between saying hey like maybe look for a pass instead of shooting on goal especially if you have a tight window of putting the ball into the back of the net between the post and the goalkeeper uh being able to recognize those settings of where you can do better and and that's where players need to have that critique and especially young players they they want you want perfection you want to be able to be the best player but perfection is is extremely hard extremely hard to uh have within the mentality of soccer and it's and even within the quotes that i've used for the show one of the biggest things that i've said is the team that wins is the team that makes the least amount of mistakes and it's 100% true when it comes to the game itself there are so many mistakes that people make within a soccer game that people don't even account for due to the fact that the team ends up winning the game itself like those mistakes almost don't matter and it's it's crazy. It's it's absolutely crazy. So don't expect perfection. Don't expect that uh, mentality of being able to go into a game and make zero mistakes. Now, if you go into a game and make zero mistakes, then awesome. That's that's amazing. But don't set that precedent to every single other match that you play or even a pickup game. You're going to make mistakes and be able to accept those mistakes, be critical of them, say, hey, you can do this within that specific setting, but don't linger on it. Don't be a person that just takes that mistake and and beats it into yourself of for a 20, 30 minute rant, mental rant or whatever. Like, don't don't do that. It's it's not healthy and it, it's, it doesn't help progress your mentality when it comes to the game. So. I hope that you guys enjoyed today's episode. This is the 13th episode of the Wormburner Podcast. Go ahead and go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Wormburner Podcast, and also see, take a look at our actual page. It's the Wormburner podcast.captivate.fm. So again, that website is the Wormburner podcast.captivate.fm. Uh, like I said, I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've made it to the end of this, thank you, thank you a million times. Thank you to all of your listens. And as always, stay safe, have fun, love soccer, and I will see you guys next week. Ciao, everyone.